Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? I hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving weekend and got to celebrate in all of the ways that you celebrate with your crew. Um, And happy Black Friday as well, if you're a Black Friday person. I don't know. Black Friday is a lot different than it used to be. I don't know. I'm like, uh, I used to love Black Friday. See, I hold two things. I agree with the change of Black Friday and all the things and the consumer culture that we are wrapped up in. And I am getting rid of that, but I also miss the way that it used to be a little bit because I was like the mom when my girls were little. I was for real in line at Toys R Us at three o'clock in the morning. Toys R Us, do you remember Toys R Us? Um, Freezing three o'clock in the morning, waiting in line to save $10 on a toy. You better believe I'm gonna save $10 on a toy if I can. So I miss the community of that. I never experienced uh, bad Black Friday, like people fighting. It was always like, there's a community, like you want that toy in pink, I want this toy in blue, you get that and I'll get this for you. It was one of those things. So I miss the community of that, while I agree that my need to shop also had people working on Thanksgiving and I don't want that either. So I can hold two things at the same time. So today is, as Bodhi said, today is the beginning of Advent. Advent is the first season and what we call the church calendar. And the people of God have a story, and the church calendar is about placing ourselves into the story of God through traditions of the church. The church calendar, also called the liturgical year, seeks to redeem our time and space through the seasons of Advent, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost, through readings and prayers, songs, fasts, and other practices like the one that we walked through this morning in our worship time together. And these seasons help to reorient our hearts and our minds around and take us away from the false stories of the world and back to the one true story of the Bible. So what is Advent? A little definition for us this morning to set a foundation. It's formed from the Latin word meaning coming or arrival. Advent is the traditional celebration of the first advent or coming of Jesus, which is the Christmas story, and also the anxious awaiting of his second advent in glory. Advent is about preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ, and it moves from darkness to light as the birth of Jesus draws near. It begins with a time of waiting and longing and ends with celebrating the birth of our Savior, the Messiah, on Christmas. Advent is a season characterized by watching, waiting, patience, prayer, longing, and expectation. It's a season of deliberate tension, a season of anticipation. There's a buildup here. It's not about just jumping to the end of the story because we know the end of this particular story. It's anticipating and longing for the arrival of Jesus. I heard it said like this, if Christmas is for joy, Advent is for longing. Deep inside each of us, there is a longing for things to be made right a longing in our hearts to experience true peace, unconditional love, and deep residing joy. And in the season of Advent, we join with the Old Testament prophets and the people of God who are waiting with anticipation for God to come and to make things right. As we know, this season comes with a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of traditions and parties and extras 
What is the, the question that if you have a kid in your life, if you have kids, nieces and nephews, kids that you work in, in the city kids, what's the question that we ask almost every kid that we're in relationship with or even strangers that we see at the grocery store this time of year? We ask them, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas this year? My kids, um, I have two teenagers now um, and one little one. My two teenagers are professional list makers at this point. They could teach classes. Um, they, uh, they are really good at what they do, okay? They know they need to make lists with links and sizes and colors. They leave nothing to chance, okay? This is what I want Exactly. And so I send this to Mimi and I send this to Nanny and I send this to mom and dad. And so they don't get any duplicates. They've learned their lessons, okay? They know what to do and what not to do. They're professional at getting what they want. And in this season where we ask this question so much, we're asked this question and we ask it. Instead, through this series and in our time together each week as a community, instead of asking what I want, we're going to be asking the question, what do I long for? What do I long for? During this season of Advent, what is it that you long for that only God can fill? In Advent, we are ushered into a time of waiting where we are connected again with our desire, our longing, our yearning for God. Joan Chittister in the book, The Liturgical Year, comments, the year opens with Advent. The season that teaches us to wait for what is beyond the obvious. It trains us to see what is behind the apparent. Advent makes us look for God in all of those places we have, until now, ignored. Advent is a time when we too are invited to sink deeply into ourselves and to reorient ourselves to the world and to God. It's a humble time of recognizing one's need and longing for God's powerful presence to break into the world. You see, longing is more than wanting. It's formed in the deepest part of us, way past the surface, a yearning, a, a deep-seated hope that has the power to burn into being a multitude of things. Advent is a time for us to settle down deeply into that into ourselves and to hear the cry of our heart and to find that spark of life and hope in the midst of the darkness of the unknowing. Desires unfulfilled, hope unmet, longing unsatisfied. It's a time of discernment, of waiting, of being present with all of those things. Because of this, it seems only appropriate that in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the darkest time of the year. As we all know, time change is brutal on all of us. It gets dark at like three o'clock now here. Personally, I really enjoy the time change. I really do love this time of year and all that it brings uh, with it. To me, this time of year signifies a slowing down. And with it getting dark so early, that just automatically kicks me into that mode to slow down because at like seven o'clock, I'm like, is it time for bed? I feel like it's time for bed now, which I'm all about that life, all right? I want to go to bed as early as possible. But I realize that I'm in the minority on that. Most people really do not like the time change, but it is literally the darkest time of the year. And I've heard that that is one of the reasons why the celebration for Christmas was set for the end of December, because in a very real way, it is the Christ child that ushers in the light. 
Just as in the Jewish tradition, each day begins at sunset, it begins in darkness, so it is only fitting that the beginning of the church calendar would likewise begin in stillness and in the dark, with us facing our deepest fears and desires, and through that, cultivating our ability and our hope for the light. We don't always think about Advent as being at the beginning of the year because it's not at the beginning of the year for us and for our calendar. But in the church calendar, this is day one. This is the very first day of the calendar. This is like our new year, January 1. New year, new you. That is today, okay? This is the first day. And day one in the church calendar begins in the dark. It's the darkest day of the year. And in the silence and in the darkness, we can hear our own hearts cry, our own flame of desire, our own longing for God. We're attuned to things that we wouldn't normally be attuned to. Our other senses are heart heightened because it's so dark. We're able to hear more clearly. We're able to feel more deeply. And so again, I ask, what do you long for? Think past surface desires. What do you long for that only God can fill? The reality of the holiday season is that while it is a beautiful time for us to celebrate, for many of us, it is a painful reminder of things lost, of expectations unmet, of desires unfulfilled, the way we thought things were going to look, the plan that we had in place, the way we thought we had it all worked out, it doesn't look anything like that now. And this time of year is a reminder of that. If we were to make a list of things that keep us from being able to see Jesus in any given situation in our lives, I would imagine that at the top of the things at those lists would be loss. Loss of a special person, loss of a dream or a specific outcome. So often this season is a reminder of what could have been. And we can so easily move past the healthy version of dealing with our grief and into despair. Merriam-Webster defines grief as a deep and poignant distress caused by or as if by bereavement. Defines despair as an utter loss of hope to lose all hope or confidence. So despair is a grief without hope. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently reported more than 100,000 drug overdose deaths during the 12-month period ending in April of 2021, a 28.5 increase over the prior year. Deaths of suicide, overdose, and liver failing due to alcohol abuse have been coined deaths of despair. The term deaths of despair comes from, a Princeton, com, comes from Princeton economists Anne Case and Agnes Deaton, who set out to understand what accounted for the falling U.S. life expectancies, and they learned that the fastest rising death rates among Americans were from drug overdoses, suicide, and alcoholic liver disease, and this was in 2015. The findings of this original study have only risen each year. And the reality that they have come to is that these deaths of despair are only the visible part of the iceberg, which is a function of our total population living 
what they now call lives of despair. Despair is grief without hope. Despair is days, weeks, months without hope. Despair is life without hope. And so in this season, if we're cultivating our hope for the light, what is hope? What does it mean to hope? What does it mean or look like to have hope in the midst of the darkness that we are ushered into facing in this time, in this Advent season? Hope can mean wishful thinking or positivity. Being a glass half full person, I hope that it will be sunny tomorrow. I hope that we win that game. The best is yet to come. Hope can mean probability based on the numbers. I'm hopeful that we will make budget this year. Hope is commonly used in these ways, and that's not wrong necessarily, but this type of hope isn't strong enough to sustain. This hope isn't the hope that we see in Scripture and the hope that we are referring to in this season. This wishful type of hope has its strength based on the strength of the person's desire, meaning this type of hope largely rests upon my shoulders. And so hope, as we see in Scripture, is the confident expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. And its strength is in his faithfulness to see it through to the end. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism as in choosing to look at in any given situation how things could work out for the best. Biblical hope is not based on or focused on circumstance or what things look like with our eyes. Again, our hope is the confident expectation of coming good based on, number one, God. On the person of God, his character, his goodness, his dependability, his trustworthiness. And number two, his promises. We believe based on who he is and what we have already seen and what we believe to be true, that his promises are certain, even though still yet to come. Hope is based in the future, but it is fuel for the present. Eugene Peterson says this, hope is not about the future. Hope is about the present. It obviously has to do with the future, but it is a virtue which is cultivated in the present. It fills the present with energy. It connects the two comings of Jesus so that we are now a participant in them. We are not just remembering the one and believing in the other. We are participating in the continuity of the comings. Meaning hope, just like Advent, is all about the now and the not yet. The continuity of the comings. We stand in the in-between. We look backward and forward while we stand in the present. I love the part of the prayer that we read together this morning and that we will in the coming weeks read together each and every week through Advent and the part of the prayer that says this, it says, in this space where everything is close and far away all at the same time, where we are caught in the beautiful paradox of waiting with you as we wait for you, we long for your arrival. 
waiting with you as we wait for you. It's hard. That's so deep. It's hard to even comprehend. But that is what we step into in this season. And we let Holy Spirit tease that out for us. What does that look like to wait with you as we wait for you? That is this continuity of the comings. We're a participant in this now. We are invited in to participate in what that looks like. Fleming Rutledge, an American Episcopal priest, author, and theologian, in her work laid out the Advent season and this three movements or three dimensions of how we celebrate um, Advent and that we can follow. And here is what she said, the Advent trajectory, a celebration in three dimensions, the past, God's initiative toward the world in Christ, the future, God's coming victory in Christ and the present, a cruciformed or cross-shaped life of love for the world in the present time. This is what we're invited into celebrating. This is all that Advent kind of packages up together, the past, the future, and the present. And so I want to take this Advent trajectory that Fleming Rutledge kind of laid out for us, and I'd like to dig in a little bit deeper this morning and build a foundation for our hope using this framework of Advent. And so when we say we are hoping in God, to say our hope is in God is to say our hope is that, number one, Jesus initiated his love as Emmanuel, God with us. Hindsight is a perspective gift, as we all know. When we are in the middle of disappointment or disillusionment or despair and grief, it can be almost impossible for us to see with any sort of clarity. We can so easily get lost in the weeds, if you will, lost in our circumstances, lost and caught up in our emotions, But Advent reminds us of the promise that has already come. God came to earth, his movement towards us, not the other way around. It was his movement and his purpose, his promise to to fulfill. He promised to come and to save, to stand in the gap and to pay the price that we could never pay. And he did that. He did those things. He promised to come and he came. The mix-up here when we talk about promises is what we can begin to believe to be a promise to God that is actually not something that God ever promised us. A lot of bad teaching and theology and just church things that we say can cause a lot of pain in this area. Because God never promised that we would not have pain. God never promised that we would not have trial and struggle. He never promised that all of our wants would be met. In fact, his word clearly reminds us repeatedly that we will face trial, that we will be outcast, that we will mourn and grieve in this world. His promise wasn't the removal of those things if we have enough faith, if we can believe, if we can pray in just the right way. His promise is withness. His promise is that he is with us in it all. Our shepherd walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Our comforter, our comfort lives inside of us. Our God is Emmanuel. 
Emmanuel, God with us, and that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Emmanuel, God with us. We may be standing in the not yet. It's not fully fulfilled yet, but we can look back at Jesus coming as a child in this season and let that reality, the reality of the beauty and the miracle of the incarnation and let that wash over us and not only give us hope, but enlarge our capacity to hope as we look back, as we have hindsight, so that even while we stand in the middle, he's with us. He's with us, and nothing can take away the reality of his presence. His presence is the gift. His presence is the promise, and when we know and when we understand who this God is, we know that he is better. He is better, and as we look back on this moment, as we look back on this baby, we reflect on Jesus He is a sign for us. Jesus is the good, faithful, powerful, and yet humble God who has come to dwell with us in the midst of life and suffering and laughter and joy and everything in between. Jesus initiated his love as Emmanuel, God with us. And second, To say our hope is in God is our hope is that Jesus will come again and make all things new. He will come again and make all things new. Here's what I know to be true. What we believe about the future defines everything about how we live in the present, whether we realize it or not. What we believe about the future defines everything about how we live in the present, Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and the death and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. He has promised to make all things new. He has promised to make all things new. Our home is with him. Our ultimate home that we long for is with him, and he is coming again. We get to look forward with anticipation in this season to that day in this time. The brokenness of this world, of our world, is inescapable. Watching the news or quickly scrolling through your social media feed reveals this in a new way each and every day. We are bombarded with this reality. Things are not as they should be. We have drifted far from Eden. Fleming Rutledge again says this, religious systems that ignore the dark side of life are fundamentally dishonest. In Advent, we don't pretend as I once thought that we are in the darkness before the birth of Christ. Rather, We take a good, hard look at the darkness we are now facing and define it honestly so that we will understand with the utmost clarity that our great and only hope is in Jesus' final and victorious coming. 
the season of Advent breaks into our world and reorients our hearts around a better reality. The present darkness, which clouds creation, has been defeated in Christ and will one day be fully realized. So as I said, we don't have to pretend to be in the darkness. What we need to do is take a good, honest look at the darkness that is around us, the brokenness. What, where are things that need to be made right? That is not hard to find. There are things all around us that need to be made right. And we know that the promise is that it will be made right. We believe that about our future. He will make all things new. And Advent is a season of turning away from despair and toward hope in the midst of that darkness. Not in a, I'm ignoring my feelings and the reality of what is around me in this blind denial type of way but in a, what I believe about the future defines how I grieve the brokenness today. What I believe about the future defines how I hold all of these things together, how I hold this brokenness, how I hold this grief. The future defines that and how I can engage in that today with me right now. So in, even in the midst of the darkest times, we can declare death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Very few of us think on and long for Jesus' return, myself included. This season is a yearly and much needed reminder for us to look forward, to remember what the future looks like. The hope that doesn't look over the horizon and into the future to come isn't Christian hope at all. We look over the horizon and let the future and what we believe about the future, what we know to be coming on this earth, not being swept away to some other place, but what we know to be coming on this earth, that he's going to make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth here. We let that future reality shape this one. Again, the words, words from Paul, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Our hope isn't just tied to the here and now. It's not just tied to right now. We can look forward. We can look to the future. We can get our perspective from God, which is his perspective, his timeline is so much longer than ours. We are finite. It's impossible for us to look beyond right now without his help, without his perspective. Jesus will come again and make all things new. And last, our hope is that Jesus will bring forth good from the kingdom to come into the mess of this world. Yes, our hope is in the future, but our hope is not only for the future. It is for this one as well. Again, it is the now and the not yet we talk about this all the time here, as we wait. It's not fully here yet, but as we wait, we get glimpses all of the time, every day, every moment, God's goodness, his kingdom breaking through. Just like last Sunday morning, 
engaging in this time where we experience his presence in a tangible, real way, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, heaven meeting earth in this way. This is the breakthrough moments of his kingdom coming to this earth. We get glimpses, we get interactions, we get encounters with him right here and now in the present time in this world in our moment because our hope that is both rooted in the past and the future we can offer a hope right here in the present to our world that is anchored down and does not waver to and fro like the waves we can offer this world a peace that passes all understanding in the midst of any circumstance We can offer joy unspeakable and a love that casts out all fear and that walks with us in the darkest valley. And again, this is not to ignore the pain and the suffering and the tears. We're not in denial about the brokenness. We're embracing it in a new way. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You keep track of each one in your book. Heaven cares about our tears. Tears are not the way that this world was designed. But in the here and now, in the already, not yet, There's a lot of weeping. Again, we are a long way from Eden. Things are not as they should be. But when we can understand, as we said in the beginning, hope as we see in Scripture is the confident expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God and its strength is in his faithfulness to see it through to the end. This hope doesn't rest on my shoulders. This hope doesn't rest on me to make things better or to make things right. This hope isn't about fixing or denying or blindly ignoring. This hope enters into our broken world and is with us. He is with us. He keeps track of our tears and our sorrows. And what I can promise is he will redeem them and he will make them new. He is with us. And this world needs this kind of hope. This world needs a people who have this hope in the face of brokenness and in the midst of suffering and waiting, a people who boldly hope in their God and become a tangible expression of this hope. The world needs this because it needs a glimpse of our God. Jesus, our Messiah, who enters into our pain and our fear and our suffering and offers us his very presence. The message of Christmas is that this hope entered our experience to dwell with us and to bring the kingdom here and now. The invitation of Advent this year and every year is to set our hope back in its rightful place on Jesus.
the beautiful prophecy that we read during worship this morning. It's from the prophet Isaiah and was declaring, he was declaring a promise to his people, a hope that they can and should hold on to, a hope set not on circumstance, but on a person. Unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor. But here's the deal. Isaiah lived and served about 700 years before Christ. 700 years before this promise that he's speaking out to his people to hold on to. That is a long time to hope. That is a long time for a people to hold on to hope. This week of hope, this first candle of Advent can also be known to and referred to as the prophecy candle. This candle of hope assures us that we can have hope that God will fulfill the promises declared about Jesus because we can step into this prophecy, we can read this prophecy and we have the benefit of being at a place in the timeline where we can say, he came. They were holding on to a promise for all of those years and we're post that and we can look back and say, he came, he fulfilled that prophecy, he fulfilled that promise and that gives us hope. We are a people in the tension, in the in-between, holding two things at the same time. And this is where hope and peace and joy and love coming in the weeks to come is more than just a feeling or an emotional energy that we can get caught up into. It's a muscle that we exercise. It's a virtue that we develop. It's a choice that we make as an act of obedience. In the same way that spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines, we don't always feel them working, but we trust what it's forming inside of us. This is the same idea. We might not always feel it. We might not always automatically lean into it, but we have hope inside of us that we can exercise, that we can muscle, that we can step into as an act of obedience. We have this hope this morning. Would you stand with me? As we prepare our communion elements today, So much about the church calendar, as I said, is about reorienting our hearts and placing ourselves into the story of God, remembering the story of God as our primary story. And that is really what we do each and every week here together as we come to the table together, as we come to receive communion together, we're stepping into the story. We're remembering the story. So let's just take a few moments. Maybe close your eyes 
and place yourself into the story. Let remembrance wash over you today. Kai, we remember your body that was broken for us. Your body that was bruised and broken. As we celebrate in this time of year, your coming, the incarnation, the beauty and the miracle of you coming as a child. We know what that road led to. And we remember that this morning. Thank you for your body. Let's take the bread together. God, we remember your blood shed for us. We thank you, God, for the power of your blood. We thank you, Lord, that through that blood we are made new. We are covered. All of our shortcomings, all of the ways that we fall short, God, we are covered. We remember your blood. We thank you for it. Let's take the cup together. We just remain in this moment for just a few more minutes. And if you would, just keep your eyes closed if they already are. And... As I've been preparing this last few weeks and reading over this, I really wanted to make space here at this end of this time together for the Holy Spirit to do some ministering directly to you today. And my prayer has been that this would be a safe space to feel whatever it is that you are feeling and the holiday season stirs up inside of you as we've been talking about a lot today, the darkness, the despair, the grief. 
So I just wanted to read that psalm over you again and just make space for wherever it is that you are at today. Maybe it's you specifically or you know someone else to be able to pray specifically for those of us who are holding and carrying grief today in whatever form that looks like for you. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You keep track of each one in your book. space for you to do what only you can do. In this space and time when it's hard to look around and when our eyes don't automatically see what is there, our eyes automatically see what isn't there what we're missing, what we're wanting, what we're longing for. And the gift of Advent and the gift of this season is that you don't call us to be anywhere where we're not. You invite us into this space, into this space of longing and darkness so that you can shape our hearts, reorient our hearts, heal us, minister to us, Give us encouragement and hope in the midst of all of those things. You don't call us to ignore it. You are in it with us. It's the reason that you came to be with us in this life, to do what we could never do. And so we make space today in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our tears, for you to be with us. presence is the promise and we hold on to that today we can boldly ask for circumstances to change while also knowing that our circumstances do not define our hope Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you for your kindness, for your kindness in this moment, for your kindness always. And for your sweet presence in this room. God, I pray for each and every person in this place as we set out and go about our week, as we begin Advent today. Lord, would you be with us in such a tangible way? God, I pray that we would feel that presence of Emmanuel like we've never felt before, walking with us hand in hand in each moment. God, I speak that over myself and over each and every person here this morning. Be with us, Jesus. Be near to us, Jesus. In your name that we pray. Amen. If anybody is on our prayer team this morning, if you would come on down to the front. If you have something that you would like to agree with someone else in prayer over this morning um, on your way out, if you would just grab one of these lovely people and they would love to agree with you this morning um, in prayer. Again, if you are a first-time guest, we would love to meet you and give you a free gift. So if you would just stop by the welcome room right across um, the lobby and we can do that. As always, let's end with our mission statement and go live it out wherever you are. Be the gospel. Have a blessed week. Christmas morning, 81. One month shy of six years old. In the valley of the sun. Yeah.